Welcome to Straight Edge, the podcast. My name is Clive Allwright, and along with my amazing guests and co-hosts, we're going to be having some brutally honest and sometimes confronting conversations around all things of addictive behavior. Now, as it happens, I've been a hairdresser for 37 years, and during my career, I've met many people just like me that have also struggled in the many different areas of addiction. So our main focus of this podcast is to chat with as many people as possible from the hairdressing, barbering, and media industries, along with some pretty smart people that work in the fields of addiction to get a deeper understanding of why so many of us struggle with the balance of family, careers, health, and the day-to-day pressures of life. So if this sounds like an area you'd like to dive deeper into, make a cup of tea, sit back, and listen to Straight Edge, the podcast. And she goes, you don't have a sinus infection. You've got a heart problem. I had a leaky valve and had the heart surgery. And so here I was, someone that was super fit and um, exercising excessively um, to not being allowed to exercise. I would tell my daughter when she'd go to work, I'm going to die today, darling. So um, I'm sorry, I'm going to die today. No, I'm sad, but we're going to keep going. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Straight Edge, the podcast. I'm one of your hosts for this morning and once again, it's a Monday morning in sunny Australia, Sydney, Australia, and I'm joined in our virtual studio by some very smiling, beaming faces, one of which is my co-host, Amy. How are you this morning? Very good. Very good. <laughs> another happy Monday, eh? An- another happy. It's really good doing this because it really sets me up for the week. It sort of engages my brain and it's like, right, this is what I've got to focus on for the week. And um Thanks for all your support and messages for everybody that's messaged us over the last uh, few weeks, um, especially with the last episode, which um, some of you pointed out that there was a little bit of a uh, glitch in our audio at the beginning. We were fully aware of that. We apologize. Unfortunately, with technology, sometimes we do get um, things that throw us a curveball. Last week was no exception. When we record these, we go into we're all in our own homes and obviously different parts of the world. And there was a the slight delay. So Amy had to wrestle with the audio on last week's episode, like a sinking ship on the on the Pacific in a storm. Was that right, right uh, Amy? It was a big battle, wasn't it? It was, it was. But I think, you know, at least we got the essence of Ariel's, like, incredible story. I mean, you know, we spoke about it after about the the, dr- the drug problem over in the US is just mind-blowing, it's right? It was certainly the, um, the topic of conversation in the salon because a lot of clients listen to the podcast and they're like... That's just terrifying. And yeah. they went, is it, is it here? Is it here? And it's interesting yeah. when you listen back to the episode. I, listen, I didn't listen to it till yesterday. And I was going for a swim. And, it's, and I'm on the bus going down because you can't park at the beach at the moment. And I'm like, oh, I'm so cr- critical of, I'm like, I should have asked this. I should have asked that. Yeah. <laughs> like, but at the time, it's like, it's like a duck on the water. It looks calm, but your feet are going a million miles an hour. And I'm like, I'm banging the desk and I'm drinking water and I'm, I'm, I can hear myself panting like I've just run a marathon so I'm going to be very conscious of all that in today's episode but getting straight into our guest today um, I'm very pleased and excited once again I say that in every episode I'm always super excited to have our guests on the show which I am I'm very grateful um, to get all each and every one of our guests come and share their story now this particular lady I've known for a very long time she's an industry icon she's been involved in the hairdressing and beauty and barbering industry for for a, a long long time well, almost as long as me so I was listening to 
cutting through the noise at um, cutting through the noise podcast with Stephanie Mason, and you think you know someone until you hear their story, and Joe was no exception. When I heard, uh, and if you haven't heard it, there's a, it's another industry podcast called Cutting Through the Noise with Haley Mears, Stephanie Mason. It's episode eight. It's the full story, so I don't really want to recreate that story with Joe today. I want to just talk, we'll touch on it, but I think there's a bigger conversation that Joe and I have had. Um, because I contacted Joe and I was like, Joe, I had no idea. And Joe had these magic words when she said, to, she said to me, she goes, "It's my mission to get my word, to get the word out there about mental health." And she said, "I do have a slight addiction to exercise as well, uh, if there is an addictive part of it." And I'm like, "Well, it was our mission at the beginning to get the word out there to to get rid of the stigma around addiction." And, you know, to have that conversation. And I think this is the way the world is going now. We're going into a place where we just can sit and openly mm. say, shit, I don't feel good today. And that's okay. So please welcome to the show. Yeah. Joe Cowan, how are you this morning, darling? I'm great. Thank you. Couple of technical difficulties on this morning, but you know what? It wouldn't be a hair event without a, without a, a technical glitch, would it? <laughs> no, that's exactly right. There's something that goes wrong and you go... Pivot yes. fast and yeah. uh, smile a lot. Yeah. I'm just glad I wasn't on the big stage yeah. at Hair Festival with all the lights facing me and, uh, and no mic. And, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> in actual fact, this year we have a stage um, in the Festival Hub. So, um, yes, people will be on there. And, I love yeah. it. So, as I mentioned, Joe Cowan is National Sales Director for Hair Festival, which is our big event that we have going on in Sydney each year, In Style Magazine, which is one of our leading industry magazines and also style icons which is uh is the online version um of InStyle. so um joe tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about you know you obviously you've been involved in the industry uh for quite some time and um and your a little bit of your backstory before we get started uh okay so i started um as a hairdresser and um um, was fortunate to uh, to um, get offered a job to join Redken to do education for Redken way, way back. Clive, I think I am older than you. I think I might have been in the industry a little longer, but there you go. I won't, I won't say years because once I put years into it, I then go, I shouldn't have said that. Um, so, so I worked my way um, through the industry, through various um, – sales and marketing roles. I've worked for Redken, Weller, um, uh, Di Lorenzo, um, and, um, and then I set up my own consultancy business um, back in, um, oh, I think about 1995, uh, could have even been before then, um, where I consult to the hair, beauty and printing industry. So I worked in the printing industry mm. as well in one of my roles. And, and then... Uh, I set up my own business. Um, I had run in style when it was previously owned by Dennis Duggan, who passed away unfortunately with a with an illness, and we closed it down. And then Simon Grover, who owns the Intermedia Group, he uh, picked up the magazine, rang me, and said, "Come and start it again." So that was uh, twenty three years ago. So I've been working on wow. InStyle, yeah, and um, it's my baby. I love her. And um, we launched Style Icons, which is our um, news website, and that sends a twice-weekly newsletter out to the industry. And in 2020, when um, Reed decided not to uh, continue her expo, 
uh, my managing director came to me again and said, do you think we could run an event? And we have two events divisions within Intermedia um, because we're the largest business-to-business publisher in Australia. So we publish in um, hospitality, alcohol, ageing, government news. We do all sorts of different um, areas. And so we decided to create Hair Festival, um, which started, we tried, we launched it at the end of 2020, tried to do it in 21, but COVID got in the way for two years, uh, sorry, twice in that year. And then in 22, we had our first iteration, which was really successful. Had our second one last year and then this year. Um, we've got it on the 30th of June and 1st of July at the ICC. So um, right. so that keeps me busy. Um, and in addition to that, I lecture at uni. Um, so I lecture part-time at uni. Um, and because I'm a consultant to the business, I uh, just work out the hours that I do. And uh, so I lecture in um, everything from the business environment to um, understanding um, self and others and also um, business communication. So uh, I do. Amazing. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah. A, yeah. a lady of many, many talents, Jo. Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I think I've beaten off a lot more than I can chew. And yeah. uh, But, you know, I look, I, I manage. I feel like I'm an energizer bunny um, because I just have boundless energy. And, um, um, and I've been like that my whole life. So, um, yeah. And yeah. I just love um, the reason I lecture is, you know, I've I've had a lot of fantastic experiences in business, and um, we've got a an up and coming generation. And I've been lecturing, uh, I think, since um, you know the late nineties, and I've seen a whole sort of change in young people and the challenges of young people. And I feel like spending time, um, and I don't just lecture theory. I say to them, look. I've got to tell you the theory, but let me give you the life because yeah. if you don't understand the life, then the theory makes mm. absolutely no sense. And that's absolutely uh, yeah. So, um, so one of the other parts of my life is um, um, I've been uh, a runner my whole life and a very passionate runner. And at a very young age, I decided uh, that I wanted to compete at the Olympics, and uh, I had a talent for marathon running. And um, I got close, so close, it was 12 seconds off an Olympic qualifier, and that was back in 1994. And uh, so I missed out on getting to the Olympics to decide to have a baby instead. And that's probably why I'm an energizer bunny, because I've always exercised my whole life. And, uh, um, and it's given me, in my life, a capacity to... Um, have free thought so when you're running you're not you're not focusing on anything hopefully not getting hit by a car or whatever but you know um it allows your brain to come up with thoughts and when you come up with a thought bubble you go oh that problem i can think i can solve it and so sometimes i've i've been out running and i'd be going man i've solved that it's just it's just mm, happened mm. and uh so exercise provides for me and has always been sort of my my brain space and yeah. uh which i've been very fortunate and in 2019 i uh i was away in japan and just prior to going to japan 
I, I'd had a lot of sinus infections and I was just like, you know, I'm just not great, but I'm going on a holiday. I'll be fine. So we went to Japan and we were hiking. We're going up and down these mountains. And, um, one, one day I woke up and my whole face and all my sinuses had blown up and, uh, and I was a bit breathless and I thought, geez, this is not good. So I couldn't climb the, the last climb, which was a bit sad. So I went to a doctor and they said, oh, I just got a sinus infection. Don't worry about it. And, uh, anyway, long story short, um, I flew home from Japan. I couldn't sleep on the plane. I just could not sleep. I'm like, what's wrong with me? And I got off the plane and my sister rang me and she said, are you all right? And I went, oh, you know, haven't slept. That's not like you. So she's got to go to the doctor. I'm like, I haven't time to go to the doctor. I've got work. She goes to the doctor. Laptop under the arm. I go to the doctor and she goes, you don't have a sinus infection. You've got a heart problem. And I went, you're kidding. You're kidding. So she showed me an x-ray of my heart and my heart had, your heart's normally like this. My heart had gone like that. So it had enlarged. And um, I I had a leaky valve. And um, so she marched me straight into emergency, into hospital. She said, I went, what, what, bring my husband up, I'm going to hospital. He's like, what? So long story, they just did, they did what they call a toe and a cardioversion. They go through your throat and they look at your heart and they found that I had a leaky valve and while they're there, they just jumpstart your heart and get it back into rhythm, which was causing my breathlessness. Wow. And they said we're going to have to long-term do some surgery. So um, that was um, at the end of 2019. They started doing some tests, got recommended to a surgeon, and the surgeon had a look at the tests and he said, I think you need to see an extra special cardiologist because it was a tricuspid valve, which is the right-hand side of the heart. And uh, what's very uh, interesting is this uh, cardiologist, who's like my best friend now, just said, um, he, he said, you've had some liver problems. And I said, yeah, I've had some liver problems. And he said, your, you know, the right heart, part of the heart relates to the liver. And I went, okay. And they could never work out why I had elevated liver functions. And as it turned out, it was related to the fact that my heart was slightly leaky and it had never wow. been picked up. Even my GP, who'd listened to my heart a thousand million times, had never picked it up. Um, wow. So this beautiful cardiologist said, uh, let's get in and do some surgery. And so I had surgery. And I was warned before I went in to have surgery that I could suffer some anxiety. Now, I've never suffered anxiety in my whole life. Um, I'm the most upbeat person, just always positive. If I broke a leg or anything, it was like, oh, well, it'll get fixed and I'll get back to whatever I'm doing. And uh, so didn't give it a thought and had the heart surgery. And so here I was, someone that was super fit and um, exercising excessively um, to not being allowed to exercise at all. And when I came out of the surgery, my biggest achievement was to walk to the nurse's station and back. And that was like a hell of a job. And um And then the physio, when they took me into cardio intensive care, the physio said, I can see you're someone that loves a challenge. If you want to get out of intensive care, you have to be able to walk the nurse's station three times. I'm like, give it to me. So I, so I got out of cardio intensive care very fast and, and came home and, you know, I was, I was fine, but my heart started to play up. It didn't like its new valve. Um, and it just decided it would it just needed to settle so I was in and out of hospital having 
um, cardio versions because my heart kept going in and out of rhythm and they were talking about putting pacemakers in. I'm like, I am not having a pacemaker yet. And um, yet, <laughs> I always say yet, but I have the wires. The wires are there. They're, they're ready, but, you know, I'm not having it. And and then um, um, I just started to spiral. I spiraled. Mm. And mm. Um, I spiraled because, one, I couldn't exercise. Uh, two, I was just in and out of hospital. I didn't know where I was. And um, um, I tried to go back to work and things at work weren't going well. Of course, COVID had hit. And um, whilst I was in, uh, that was in February when I had the surgery, whilst I was in um, intensive care, COVID had hit and everything was starting to go, you know, shut down and the business was shutting down. People were were just not as positive. And it was just, was a series of things. And uh, um, my husband said he would find me sitting in the centre of a room just in the middle of the night doing nothing but looking at my phone. And I would tell my daughter when she'd go to work, I'm going to die today, darling. So um, wow. I'm sorry, I'm going to die today. And, wow. and I was like, I, that, it just wasn't me, but that was where my mindset had got. And um, um, my husband was doing his best um, to try and help. And um, in the end, he had to call an ambulance. He had to get me uh, taken to hospital and I had to get committed to become a ward of the state so they could start doing treatment to reverse what had happened to me. And it was wow. just all around the anxiety. And I had started to talk to a psychiatrist um, online because you couldn't go and see them because of COVID. And uh, the psychiatrist sort of, she, she jo- just couldn't jo, help do me. You, just um, she help if I can me. jump in. So obviously I've never been through anything like you just talked about in regards to surgery wise, that must bring up, I'm just sitting there mm. thinking, what would I do in that situation? Would you, do you, when you go into such major heart surgery, do you have to sort of get your affairs in order? Like, I mean, sort of be grown up, like get a will. And, you know, <laughs> if this happens to turn the machine off, all that kind of stuff, does that start yeah. that thought process in your head for your own mortality? Uh, do you know, for me, it didn't. Yeah. Um, I already have a will. And uh, um, for me, it was, I was in denial. I was in denial that, that that you know, I was like, I'm going to get through this really fast. I'm going to be back to work like this. This is not going to hold me back. So I had gone in with a super positive attitude and um, um, my daughter sat with me because my daughter's a theatre nurse and she sat with me prior to going into theatre just talking to me and uh, we, we just really positive. So, you know, right. it was never that I wasn't going to get through it. It was That was never an issue. And even the, the, the surgeon said to me, you've got a great heart, it's very strong um, and we just need to get in, work out if it's what's happened and it works out that my mum had been diagnosed with a tricuspid valve leakage at 91, which I'd forgotten about and um, they never fixed it. And so mine was a congenital defect. And so they just throw a valve straight on top of your old valve. So when I have an echo, I can see my old valve and my new valve just sitting there doing its thing, which is pretty cool. Um, But but I always had a fear of dying, Mm. always had a fear of dying my whole life. And um, whether that's that's sort of what came into that that then mental thing, but then there I was Mm. saying, I'm going to die. Don't worry about it, darling. I'm going to die. I don't. I don't know. But um, it it 
it was I think my whole world had changed and I never thought it would change and maybe that was what really instigated the the whole mental mental sort of collapse and I'm forever grateful for the um psychiatrist at the Northern Beaches um hospital pub you know I was in I was a private patient um but they didn't know what to do with me because I was such a weird case of mental health and um so uh I went into the ward with the young girls who had um uh health uh, like eating disorders and then they yeah. put me into the aged the older aged care people and they just had chronic dementia and then they finally put me into this other ward which was really weird and we had some very violent people one night they actually had to lock us into the nurses station because we had one guy who was just breaking furniture and throwing furniture at the nurses station it was horrendous and I remember it and there's not much of what I happened in hospital that I remember I do remember having the excitement of being allowed to walk around the block um Mm -hmm. with a psychiatrist and uh um and being thrown balls from a physiotherapist to catch a ball to see if I had coordination and um um but you know what you you meet people when you're in these places who have interesting stories and there were a lot of people that were having similar treatment to me but not from a half a heart perspective and um and and they were incredibly rich people with um lives that were very different to mine and um and they sort of sort of left and went forth and once i started um treatment it was a like an electrotherapy treatment so I would go into surgery a couple of times a week I think it was and Mm. they just put this stuff on your head and uh and they would just rejig my brain and um and just but I was locked I was locked up so I wasn't allowed I wasn't allowed out so I have to wave to my husband goodbye when he come and visit me and you know that would have been when when COVID was on right so yeah he wasn't allowed in there he wasn't allowed. Well, he could come in. I was allowed one visitor, and he could come in and see me, and then um, he would uh, he would have to leave, and and the nurse would have to hold my hand while he went out the door because I wasn't allowed to go with him. Joe, yeah. when when this you say you don't, I remember when we spoke previously on the phone. You said like I don't really remember too much about it when my husband called the ambulance. Was it yeah. just like a? It's just like your, your brain just disengaged, right? And yeah, and you just yeah. disconnected from the world. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I was just not. I was just not with the world. Yeah. But I, I do recall um, almost beating the ambulance people up as they were trying to put me on a stretcher to take me out. Wow. I'm like, I don't, I don't need to go. And mm. It, mm. it broke my husband's heart. Mm. And my daughter still sees a psychiatrist, a psychologist now, um, mm. as a result of seeing her very strong mother just go into a heap. And, um, mm. um, and, and I think the impact of what happens with mental health is not, it's, it, you know, for the person who's going through it, who doesn't really understand it, mm. um, the, you're in your own world, you're in a bubble, I have to say, you're in a bubble, but to those people who are around you watching you in that bubble, it is very, um, it's very destroying. And my husband for a long time, you know, said, Whenever you go out, you have to have your phone. And he would ring me constantly. You're right. You're right. You're right. Mm. I'm like, I'm absolutely fine. Mm. And um, my daughter um, has just been a bit of a, a silent acceptor of all of this. And uh, she's not been quite as bad as my husband. But my husband's now pretty good. He's let me go. It is four years. And he's, <laughs> he, oh. he does let me go walking on my own. I mean, it's, it, it's, uh, it's, 
it's it's a horrible it's a horrible thing mm. to think that I actually created that impact on somebody and, and I have a guilt for that. Yeah. Um but also um I could not have predicted what I what happened to me and and how it happened. Mm. Um and and so you know it's it's also like well that was life isn't it? And yes. you know I've I've had a fantastic life and I still have an enormously awesome life I just love life and um um it made me realize that you know we get dealt dealt cards in life that we um we just don't we don't expect and um and you have to be grateful for there are people around you who can help Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. and you need to listen to those people but often we are so um we we control ourselves we don't want help Mm -hmm. and um and that's probably the first step to I believe um, understanding a mental health issue is to accepting health help yeah. and um, and just being honest about it. Joe, I I can I mean thank you so much for sharing because like that's obviously had a huge impact on on yours and your family's life. Um, I I can relate to everything you've said um, myself. I you know I, I had really severe postnatal anxiety. It was it led to depression, but the 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 level of anxiety that I had was inexplicable like it was I I I could it got to a point same as you where I I, I just thought I can't wake up with this I can't deal and and you and I went into um, uh, a place uh, where I was so disconnected from the world that my Mm. ex-husband called someone immediately and I I, fortunately because I'd just had a baby they sent um they sent a nurse immediately to the house you know it was they mm. were amazing and I saw a psychiatrist mm. that day and put me straight on medication and stuff and got treated exceptionally well I actually think mm. it saved my life um mm. and it, it it there is even though there's a lot of talk around mental health people still don't if you've never really experienced that level people still don't really understand what it means no. to have a mental health problem um and uh, fortunately like you you know when you have a lot of people around you and you're able to actually talk about how you really are feeling about your life um then you feel supported and understood you know otherwise Mm. that's why people a lot of people hide it or they don't actually realize that it's happening to them um Mm. because they don't understand it you know so when you were going through it yourself and you talked about, you know, those, those, those dark days and when your daughter um, left mm-hmm. and you said, I'm going to die today, was it mm-hmm. a fear of dying or, uh, because of the heart or was it, I, I, I don't want to be here, like I'm going to take my life? That's a, it's a, that's a really great question. Probably no one's ever asked me that question. Um, I don't think it was a fear of dying. I just thought that my heart just wasn't up to the job. Right. anymore wow. and and you know I, I think and yet there was nothing probably massively wrong with my heart because when they I was committed they were doing ECGs nothing wrong with my heart it was yeah. fine yeah. it was just it was just the that impact of um of having the heart surgery and then not just not being able to do what I wanted to do maybe as quickly as I did I don't mm. I it's a very it's a very hard one a very hard one to answer um but it certainly was um it certainly was was quite was quite dark but i was upbeat about it you know i wasn't i wasn't like oh i'm going to die today i was like well darling 
you know, I just want to let you know. <laughs> it's like, she was like, geez, mum, that was really, you, that was really, you know. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know you might have to get your own tea, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was, it really was, it was just, it was just strange. It was yeah. strange. The yeah. whole time was strange. Mm. But, um, you know, it was, um, it was sort of incredible because as I started to come out of it, I was like, my God, what have I done? Yeah. What have I yeah. said? Yeah. What you know, and, and you 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 don't really realise. And a lot of my friends who I'm like, I'm like Miss Social Butterfly. I organise runs with people. I've just come back from competing down the south coast at a triathlon event over the weekend. Oh, was I you organised there? the house. Awesome. Yeah, wow. it, was there. it was fantastic. <laughs> and um so uh um, so I'm misorganised and all my mates are sending texts going, what's going on, what's going on? Because I wasn't doing any of that. And uh, and and part of my recovery after I got out of hospital, I have to thank my mate Paul Hanel. He sent me a message and he goes, we're going to get that running shit happening? And I went, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he took me, he, he literally picked me up and he took me to Narrabeen Lake and yeah. we walked. And we ran and we walked. I was only allowed to walk. I was allowed to run 100 metres and then I'd walk and I'd run 100 metres. Like this is a girl that's run 17 marathons. I mean, wow. Um, wow. and and um, it was it was fantastic. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I also want to mention that whilst I was in hospital, I had all of this treatment. They started me on some medication. And um, so I had, I had what I call my mental meds. And uh, um, some of those meds, um, are really not kind to the body. And uh, I put on, um, oh, my God, I put on. I ca- in hospital, I became an absolute shadow of myself. I went down to like 53 kilos. So that's that's pretty tiny for me. Mm. And um, came out of hospital and, and they said, are you putting on weight? I'm like, no. And then I started to really put the weight on. And uh, I'm very proud to say in January of this year, I finally got off my last mental med. Wow, because. Thank you. It takes it takes years to get off this stuff, and if you go cold turkey, then you are like a drago, um, someone who has a. Mm. Yeah, it's a terrible term. I do apologise to anybody that I've offended now, but um, you you do go through withdrawals, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and 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 this particular last drug that I was on, um, it used to cause ferocious dreaming. So, um, like ridiculous dreaming Mm. and uh so you go to bed at night and sometimes I would wake myself up because I hated what I was dreaming Mm. and then I go back to sleep and I would dream again and then I'd like I've just got to get out of bed and I never felt I really relaxed in my sleep and Mm. so now I'm off it I'm like hallelujah you know and how have you how have you felt um stopping altogether and and like have have the doctors said that that's that's yeah, like good for you it's now. Good. Like you're yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been under the same psychiatrist. So once I left hospital, I was under a ward of the state still. So even yeah. if I, you know, ended up in hospital with a broken leg, they used to ring me and go, you know, we're still watching. Mm, really? So yeah. I finally got. They finally let me go, which was wonderful. But um, and they said, wean yourself off the drugs. And mm. I was like, Are you kidding? And so I went to see my cardiologist after I'd seen these people and he goes, you are not weaning yourself off those drugs. I'm not having you back where you were. So um, my GP got me onto a psychiatrist and she weaned me slowly because one thing she said to me is that 
We got you back. So the ECT treatment, which is what I had, reconfigured my brain and got me back. Um, I've lost some memory, um, but only a small amount. I'm pretty surprised how much memory has come back. And um, um, But she said, we're going to take this drug removal very slowly because um, it's very, um, uh, it, we can't, we don't know if we'd ever be able to take you back. And I went, that's scary. That's wow. really scary. And yeah. uh um, yeah, so I, I so I was so excited. Um, I had to wean off night sleeping things first, and because the biggest thing with mental health is your deprivation of sleep. So um, I had got to the point where I just wasn't sleeping. So I was like, like this. Same with know. drugs, really. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah. so they have to get you into a sleep pattern, and they always ask you, "Are you sleeping? Are you sleeping? Are you mm. eating? Are you mm. sleeping and eating?" Yes, I'm doing all of that. And, and that's the big thing. And the minute I don't sleep well, yeah. I, I then go, okay, what's going on? All right. Is that a, is that a cue that I've got to look for? Mm-hmm. And uh, mostly it's because like on the weekend I did this sprint triathlon. It's only a short one. But, oh, my God, would my body settle down on Saturday night? No. Yeah. I woke up and it was like <laughs> it was so full of adrenaline. Was that it was before like, or oh, after the, the run? It was after. After the after the race. Yeah. I was just I was so honestly, I finished the race. I felt fantastic. I did a I was five minutes faster than last year. And you know, that's just an achievement as you get older. But um my and I was I I finished the race and I'm like, what's next? What's next? So that's the that's the swim, the bike and the run, right? Yeah, swim, bike, run. It was only a short one. It's like seven fifty swim, twenty K bike and a five K run. That's amazing. And uh yeah, and and so I just I did that, and sat, but Saturday night I was like, oh geez, I haven't slept. What's the problem? Mm-hmm. It's called it's called exhaustion. Yeah, it's called exhaustion. When you when you overdo it, mm. then your body can't relax, and uh, you got to be careful. So mm. I I learnt to meditate before I had heart surgery because somebody said, why don't you meditate? And I did, and now I have the most beautiful meditation app called the Car Map. Yeah. And I listen to it every night before I go to sleep. And if I ever have a problem sleeping, I put a calm story on, um, which just talks about, and I was listening to one Saturday night about India and about a ritual in India. It was so interesting, but it was so relaxing. Mm. And I went back to sleep. Yeah, and great. So you have to care for your health. Mm. Um, and when you've had a me- mental health problem, you've got to know what your cues are. And if you know what your cues are, then and if other people around you know what the cue is, yeah. then I think that's an answer to um, a lot of um, falling back into um, a bad scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. And and like, do you are you are you scared, Joe? Like, do you ever have a fear that like it's going to come back? No, great. No, I don't. Yeah, I think um, my I've always had a super positive attitude to life and. Uh, um, I'm not someone that looks back and goes, oh, geez, you know, yeah. what if? Yeah. You know, yeah. if we spend too much time doing the what ifs, we never get, get on with the what's on next. Yeah. And uh, so I I don't have a fear of that. Um, and uh, and look, my I've, I've been through a hard hiccup since mm-hmm. I have had that health issue. Um, I My heart went out of rhythm at the beginning of 22. I developed a clot in my heart because I wasn't on any blood thinners. Um, that's highly rare. And right. my cardiologist went, I've never seen that. And I went, should I cry? He said, oh. you can if you want. Oh. And I went, okay. So I sort of went, ah. and I went, what's the point in 
crying. Mm-hmm. Can yeah. we fix it? And he goes, I think we can. So so I just had to go on massive heart, blood thinners. Man, I was injecting myself. Did I ever think I could do that? No. Wow. I can. I can do that. I did that constantly. Got rid of the blood clot and then I had to wait to get a cardioversion, which was to get my heart back into rhythm again because it had just had this big hiccup. But I didn't fall into a mental problem. I had no problem with that at all. I just went, you know what, Joe? if you can never run again, you can always walk. Mm. If you can never swim again, you can always walk. You can go mm. and pat a dog. You can look at the sun and go, what a beautiful day and you're yeah. alive. Mm. And I think sometimes we have to reset our what we see are things that we want to do. And I went onto the table, they did the cardioversion and, um, oh, sorry, the ablation. So they go in through your groin and you have to lie there. The worst thing about it is you've got to lie there for eight hours while they get the groin to, to heal so you don't bleed out into your body. And wow. uh, so when they tell you that, you just have to lie really still. It gives you the worst backache. For eight hours? Yeah. For eight hours oh, they, they made me lie. Me and I had... Oh look, I had I had my glasses case on my chest, on my back, right? And I was watching Netflix. I had my glasses up just yep. watching Netflix. And they'd come in and they'd they'd do a little relax of the uh of the tightening thing. No, you're all right. I'm fine. I'm watching Netflix. Do you want food? Don't give me a thing. Just let me lie here. I want to get this yeah. done. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like a girl. You want to get this done? I want to get what, it done. What are you so gonna eat lying down? Well, <laughs> they bought me sandwiches. I said, "Do you want me to choke?" Yeah, he's yeah. like, "Don't, don't give me an up and go." That's that's, that's, no, that's no. exactly what I want to do. Yeah, and you know, you tried, you try not to move, and you got to pee. I mean, that's not oh, a nice scenario that's, either. That's, but anyway, wow. look. So I got through that, and uh, you'd have to put a bag on was... me because I can't get through these podcasts without having to go for a pee. Like... <laughs> So, you know, it, it, and so I had that hiccup and didn't set me back. And my yeah. mates went, you became the fastest walker. We couldn't keep up with you. They all kept giving me their dogs because I love dogs, right? And somebody gave me a T-shirt. Sorry I'm late. I saw a dog. Yeah. And so they all gave me their it. dogs. So I was walking at all these dogs because all my mates were swimming and running and cycling and I'm walking dogs. I'm wow. walking dogs. I thought I might, I mean, that might be my new job. I might take up dog walking. Well, but I didn't. that's such a great way, though, of like looking at life, right? Because, like you said, yeah. you know, like you 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 actually went through like a huge surgery, right? For someone yeah. to like go in to your like yeah. most major organ, you know. Mm. Um, it I think with those things as well, like because you do hear stories, don't you, about you know, like people who've had um, massive surgeries or um, mm. you know organ implants and stuff like that and then they after straight after the surgery they come out either traumatized or sometimes like an absolute personality change you know you hear a a different language like yes yes Yes. and and, and, you know do you know I have a I was talking to a friend of mine who's a hairdresser um on Friday and he um he's got to go and have a an um some a little bit of a uh like test and seize heart surgery. So they've just got to go through his going and just go up with a wire and have a bit of a check of the heart. And uh, he's absolutely panicked about it because mm. last time they did it, he was unconscious and they thought he was going to die. And so he he said to me, Joe, I'm not dealing with it well. I'm like, well, come on, come on, Pete. Let's think about this, you know, think it rationally. Mm. Yeah. 
you are okay, but your fear is normal. Mm-hmm. Your fear is absolutely normal because someone's going to put a little little wire inside and check your heart out. And that's for a lot of people. It's it's invasive and yeah. it's scary. And yeah. if you've had a heart experience, that's not good. And he had to have, I think, uh, quadruple bypass. Um, he, he, wow. We basically wow. thought we were going to lose him, and um, and he's been fantastic. And uh, and so he said, yeah, I've just got to go and have this little um, angiogram and I'm worried. I'm like, don't be worried. Don't mm. be worried. Mm. Yeah. So these surgeons, these, you know what? I knew nothing about surgery. Mm. My daughter, because she's in surgery, she goes, mum, surgeons are in lots of cases off the spectrum for intelligence. She said yeah. they are so amazing. And she said they are also the the sort of people that go, this is, this what's happening here right now is not normal. Mm. So they they'll say to the nurses, "Get my phone, dial you know this professor." They get him on the phone while he's still in doing stuff, and they 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 help each other. Wow. And so the medical profession is just absolutely phenomenal. So I mm. just said to my mate, Pete, "You'll be okay. You yeah, know how much better it is." Yeah. yeah, that happened yeah. to you 15, 20 years ago. Like think about how good it is now. So, mm. but 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 when somebody's had a heart problem and you you know it took Peter a long time to get over his heart problem. I shouldn't have said his name, but um, it that. took him a while to get over. Um, but he um, he's really good. But it brings back memories. Mm. I'm fortunate when I had my um, when I actually had to have my. Um, ablation done it was it didn't break back a memory for me so I was okay I was just so positive I woke yeah. up and looked at the screen it was like 55 beats a minute 55 55 55 I'm like yes Yay. that's what I want that's, that's, what I that's want. amazing yeah. yeah Joe talk to me about yeah. the um the, the electric shock treatment thing because that to me like when you said oh. that to me on the phone I'm like well that reminds me of like a the 1920s in an institution yeah. kind of thing. I didn't realise that they would do that. So yeah. They do. Yeah, so they do. So it's called ECT, um, electronic electric therapy. I'm not quite sure what the electronic, whatever therapy it is. And um, so you get put under an anaesthetic and they put this jelly stuff on your head and then they, they put electrodes and they obviously – I probably had brain scans and stuff like that before, so they were knew, knowing what they needed to do, and um, and so you just—I don't know how long it takes, maybe fifteen minutes or something from start to finish, and uh, and they just do this therapy, and you wake up, your head's just a bit sticky, but you don't wake up feeling weird. You're, you're under a very light sedation, and uh, so um, so it's actually yeah, it, it's it's something. Um, I mean, I think I had nine lots of it. I think nine, that nine wow. lots of it. Wow. And and every time they did something, I just found, you know, they, yes, things just became Can you feel clear. it? Is it like, is it like, is, does it hurt? No. No, yeah. I'm asleep. Yeah. You're asleep. Oh, okay, right. So it's, 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 it's done while you're asleep. Okay. So yeah. it's not a, it's not a, not something like a that you're thing. awake. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. 
Oh my God. The torture, the torture was being put in, you know, they just get, they just get a wheelchair to come pick me up. It was like, oh, I have to go again. And, you know, the same guy would take me um, to the theatre, this most beautiful um, wardsman. Those guys are just amazing. And they take me to the theatre, I climb on the table and I have an allergy to New Zealand green lip muscles. And so they always say, do you have an allergy? So, so it was always an allergy to green lip muscles. So the same nurse used to look after me. And so they, they before they put you under, they go through this protocol showing cow and she's coming to have a ECT treatment, blah, 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 blah. And she has an allergy to green lip New Zealand muscles. This nurse said to me, I got I got a bit tired of saying that one. I went, okay, fine. I'm that's, glad you don't do that anymore. That's, how did you even find that out that you got that allergy? That's a very weird, specific allergy. I, I ate them. I ate them. Don't eat them. I wow. tell you. Well, yes, I I eat them and I get very bad pains in the stomach and vomit. So that's my, that's my allergy. I won't touch a muscle. Give me oysters though. Love oysters. Um, But uh, yeah, so when you have that treatment and then you literally just go back to the ward and they don't, you don't have to lie down or do anything else. They Mm -hmm. just go and have a shower and you're up walking around normally. And, um, but I started to, things just started to become a lot more real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then I was allowed out in day release. Ooh, ooh that was exciting. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but my daughter, my beautiful daughter used to bring me in, um, books of when we traveled together, um, to, to, you know, spark my memory and, and things like that. And, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing what she did. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we're, we're very close cause I'd have one daughter and we're just yeah. very, very close. So, um, do yeah. you remember like a specific moment, maybe like after like you were in there for a while and having this treatment where you started to feel yourself coming back? Did you have yeah. aware- did you have awareness as well of, of that detachment during that time of your, from yourself? Um, was I? Um, yeah, I I think I was just in a bubble. I was yeah. just in a bubble. Um, so no, I wasn't aware. Um, I do remember one night though. Um, I must I must have been I must have had a naughty moment one night because they they get you in your rooms and they they don't lock the door but they make sure you're in your room. This one night, for some reason, I wanted to go wandering around the um, hospital ward. God knows what I was thinking. <laughs> he was like, get me out of here. <laughs> and there was the nurse. I actually hid behind furniture because I was actually in the lounge area and she was doing her runs around with her torch, you know, checking people out. And I was behind a chair being absolutely like, God knows why I was doing that. I do remember that and thinking, wow. oh, that was a bit random. But um, I don't know why I did it. So, you know, I, I have these funny little memories of things that, that I did. But, yes, look, I guess as the treatment started to happen um, and, you know, I was seeing this psychiatrist and uh, um, and she was you know, she just would ask me just questions and things like that and I was just going, yeah, I can, yeah, 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 okay, yes. So, so it, it was a very gradual, very gradual mm. thing. Mm. Um, and, and, uh, um, for a while, I, as I said, I struggled with a little memory loss, a little bit of memory loss. It's interesting yeah. because, you know, this podcast originally started out about drugs and alcohol addiction, right? But there's such yeah. a strong, I mean, we talk about in recovery, grave mental disorder, right? The, the reason why we yeah. drank in the first place, because we were burying something. Yeah. 
And as yeah. you're talking and you're talking about this window of where you're in a bubble, I can fully yeah. relate to all everything you're saying, right? Because um, like sleep, like when I first got sober, I, I used alcohol to go to sleep. So when yeah. you talk about yeah. when you don't sleep, that's a, that's a thing you need to be aware of. So when I first got sober, I didn't sleep. I would sleep for two hours at a time because my body had to adjust to sleeping by itself. Um, yes, yeah. And then now, obviously, I sleep very well and I'm very aware of if I don't get a good night's sleep, it really affects me mentally. Um, yeah. Now, Jill, you're talking about being in a mental institution or, or you know, a board of the state. Uh, I'll share with you something. Yesterday I went to a music festival with my wife, right? And my wife's first time she's been out to something like that since we've been, I mean, I've been nearly for four and a half, over four and a half years. And obviously there's a lot of people at the festival that are taking recreational drugs, right? Which So you've got to be very careful where you put yourself in these situations. And, and I witnessed some stuff where you saw, which I was that person at one point. And I think, whoa, and it was just quite, I mean, I'm much older now. Like the people mm. sitting down with the gurning of the jaw that have taken obviously MDMA or ecstasy or something. But this guy mm. came up to me, right? And he was sweating like crazy. And he and he said, I found the chill out room. And I said, You've what? And he goes, I found the chill out room. And I went, Oh, that's great. And he went, It's in here. And he showed me his phone. And he goes, You can only enter the chill out room through here. And then just dived on the floor and like was in this in wow. it was just in this altar place, right? So, um, I saw lots of things that uh, another guy came up to me and thanked me for DJing. I had never been near the decks all day, like you know. And I said, and I said, I said, are you, are you having a great time? And he went, yeah. He goes, well, I can't thank you enough for coming over and doing this. I went, it's honestly my pleasure. And so I, I said to my wife, my wife was like, who was that guy? And I was like, I don't know who either of them were. I said, but I do feel like I'm in a bit of one flew over the cuckoo's nest here, right? Now, one of the things that has been on my mind since I've got home was, fuck, what did I put my brain through, right? When I was when I was going to that point, and I and and there's that father side of me that's now 55 that thinks, fuck, that's someone's child, right? And and what must they what? No wonder we have clubbers come down. Like you're an athlete, right? You're you're, you're somebody that's mm. fit, and your brain just blew a fuse, right? And with with the mm. anxiety and the stress, and so bringing this back round to just everyday people that yeah. drink too much, mm. that, that mm. take too mm. much, that whatever, and we struggle with the the challenges of life. Um, like I remember a very close friend of ours having screaming and kicking as we put her in an ambulance in the middle of COVID to take her off to we'll try and get her admitted into a detox. And unfortunately, mm. you, can't, you can't force people to do that. Like, and no, um, you've, they've got to make that decision as where well. that decision was taken away from you, wasn't it? And and, and your mm. and your family. So yeah. there's a definite, distinct link here, and it's all about where we sit mentally. And congratulations on. You know, running a marathon, right, a triathlon, <laughs> and coming back into back into the, the world that you you, you checked yeah. out from from a little while—it's amazing. It's a great story. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I mean, I'm grateful that I had people to help me. Um, yeah. I I do want to say that um, there is a lot of infrastructure available for people, um, mm-hmm. but you don't know about it. Uh, because it's not something you've ever faced in your life, and yeah. um, and the government does provide pretty amazing infrastructure 
in infrastructure for people um and um and there there isn't and there should never be a stigma around mental health and people sort of say oh just get over it well you know it's not about getting over it it's about understanding it Mm. and and knowing why it happened and what triggered it and yep. then just just get help so that doesn't happen again. Yeah. And um and not to be, not to feel like oh my god I can't tell somebody that I went through that. Yeah. Um I'm I'm proud that I can say that I went through and I came out the other side, and I'm forever gra- grateful for my family, my friends, and the support that I network that I had, and still have. Um and 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 to to just I think to just go, I need help. I think that's the first step is to say, I need help. And I think we have so many pressures on ourselves these days with, and, and particularly for younger people with, you know, social media and all the challenges of, of that. Um, they themselves, that just, that just creates mental health problems before we even start. And, um, and it's a, it's, it's an issue, but you know, the more we talk about it, the better we're going to be. And, um, You know, I think one of the things I've learned a lot kind of in later life um, is also like you were saying about the stigma and uh, what's attached to it. People are scared to admit it or talk about it. But some people are predispositioned. Right. So just as you didn't realize that you had an issue with the heart. You know, some people have diabetes from birth where they have to inject themselves Mm. because otherwise they're not going to survive. Right. So yes, I think what I, I've learned to also accept is like, you know, it's great that like fantastic and amazing that you um, uh, are in such a great place now and you off your medication and things like that. But there's also nothing wrong with having to take it every day for the rest of your life. You know, like for me, that's, that's my life, you know? Um, it's 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 mental health problems have been in the family when it's yeah. when it started for me um you know there was that oh I don't really want to be on medication and why can't I do this on my own why yeah. why why do I need medication other people seem to be managing life better than me you know whereas yeah. now you know I've, I've been on my medication for you know what eight nine years or something and and it's just a, I don't even think about it it's just something in the morning that's it done and my life is balanced and I'm balanced I'm better for my children I'm a better person um I can deal with my life you know and so I personally don't have any plans of changing that um because I I don't want to ever go back to where I was and that's the paradigm shift isn't it because yeah because you know like what it's like me going to a 12-step meeting you know, yeah. people go, I'm not, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a drug addict. Yeah. I'm not this. I can't walk in that room as well. It's just something that I do every week. That's come this part of my makeup that I have to do to just go, mm-hmm. right, well, this is, this is what, yeah. well, I, well, not that I have to do that. I want to do, because I want to feel, yeah. I, I want to be, be a better yeah. person. And so, you know, back That's in it, the, it, back in the old days, it would have been, uh, I'm, I'm, hyper, I'm hypothetically making this up, but it would have been like, oh, Joe, yeah, Joe's not very well right now. And let's not talk mm-hmm. about that. And it's like, oh, did Clive? Yeah, he's got, he's a, he's a junkie, right? That's yeah. where, yeah. Here, here we are and we go, right, well, we're yeah. actually going to help people by sharing a message or, yeah. you know, Amy yeah. with an eating disorder and obviously yes. ADHD and yeah. all these things that we have in our life. Yeah. That mm. it's like, we just go, you know what, we're all, yeah. 
fucking broken to a well, degree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, also, we're also human. Exactly. You know, exactly. we're all human. We are not born to be infallible. And yeah. I think, you know, we as children get told, oh, you're wonderful, you're fantastic and everything else, and that's great, mm. but we are never told you're going to fall apart, you know, this is going to happen. Um, and I'm not saying we should bring children up and say, oh, my God, you could have a heart problem. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think I think we, we're all human and, and that's just sort mm. of the nature of life. And I think we just have to learn that you, you get dealt with blows with things that impact on you and, and it might impact on your physical health or it, or it might be your mental health and just... Don't, you don't have to do it on your own. I think that's mm. the big thing is you don't have to do it on your own and, and you know, you're not alone because there will yeah. be somebody else in the world. I don't think anybody's ever diagnosed with a disease and told you're the only person that's ever had this disease. Mm. Yeah. And I think, yeah. and we yeah. also have to think about mental health is, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a form of disease. It's a disease mm. and, and it happens. And, it's a disease, isn't um, it? It's a disease. It's a disease. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? We try and cover it up with alcohol and drugs or whatever it might be, but yes, it's a disease. Mm. And um, mm. um, recognize it and think, well, I want to get over the disease, and how do I get over it? And I yeah. think that's the. And everybody will get over it differently. I think that's the thing. There's not. It's not a cookie cutter approach, mm. and um, and mm. you need to find somebody who's going to help you in the right way, create the right conversations around you. Mm. And you also have to separate yourself from people who are part of that disease and um, and and make sure that uh, um, everything, you've got to look after yourself. You can't solve other people's problems. You've yeah. got to look after yourself, keep yourself happy. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm not a mental health expert by any means. I have just had the experience of it and just want to say to people, you're not on your own and, mm. and we can always, there's always an ear. I always say to yeah. my mates, not feeling good, just give me a ring. Mm. I don't care how busy I am. Are you okay? Under the deadlines. <laughs> yeah, okay. are you okay? And that half, that whole are you okay thing is a big, uh, you know, is a, is a very important very important message. It's it's funny that saying just just pull yourself together. Come on, you, you'll be right. Get yeah. get yourself up. Or like just stop drinking. It's like or just you know yeah. <laughs> just just have a month off, Clive. You'll be fine. And it's like yeah. I no. saw a great post this weekend. It said if you think that it, addiction is easy, put your phone away for the weekend. Every time you think of it, that's what an addict goes through. Every on like the weekend. So every clever. time you yeah. think of it, that's what someone that's trying not to drink thinks thinks about it. Um, we're up to time and I know you guys have both got uh, important jobs to do after here. So we're going to, we're going to wind this, this up. I just want to say thank you so much for, for coming on and for sharing your message of strength and hope and resilience. And, and thank you for, for being so outspoken. And cause I know that there's so many people that will connect with this. I've just written down something, uh, which I'd love to, to finish. Is there actually, is there anything you'd like to say before we finish, finish up? Oh, no, but. If you ever meet me in the street or at an event or anything like that, say hello. Yeah. And if you've got a problem, tell me your problem. You know, I don't hold people's problems. I listen. And that's the, and and sometimes that's part of the that's part of the thing. If, Let, I'll listen. You, I'll listen. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? If we all knew what was going on in each other's lives, like I've 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 yeah. listened to your story on the on the other podcast, cutting through the noise. I now understand so much more about it just from being on our podcast. So would you understand people's internal struggles? You're not going to say hello. I'm going to put my arms around you and give you a big hug. 
you know, and that's mm. what the yeah. world needs a bit mm. more right now. It needs a bit more of a hug and a bit more understanding. Now, uh, you mm. wrote, you, you said in your triathlon that you did a 750 meter swim. I know on Saturday <laughs> that it was a four to five meter swell out there. Was that a struggle? <laughs> <laughs> Clive, I had a wetsuit on, uh, and I was down the south okay. coast at Huskisson in 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 Jarvis Bay. So yeah, okay. we we did have we did have some bumps, but it wasn't as bad as a a big swell. Okay, but uh, I when I go in a race like that, if they say wetsuit's optional, yeah, I'm in the wetsuit. Yeah. you're like a, you're like a cork. Yes, you just, just float just on the way. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Uh, it's been amazing, and uh, thank you so much. I know we've run over time, thank and you. thanks, um, thanks so much, okay. Amy. Thank you so much. Is there anything you want to uh just thank you joe it's 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 really it's such an important message and i I hope that you know people that listen can see that there is a way out and there is something that you everyone there's options you know joe you you did mention that the company you work for intermedia does lots of publication for lots of things fishing you know alcohol if there's someone in your building that does a zero alcohol thing that wants to sponsor this podcast we'd really could do with some help with editing and putting this on youtube so chuck the line in (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what? There's um, there's a company that's a new client that's going to be coming into the industry this year called Liars and Liars create, you know, Liars. Yeah. yeah. They have the best. I mean, I one I said to my cardiologist, what's the best thing I can do for myself? And he said, don't drink alcohol. Yeah. And I went, mm. okay, I won't drink alcohol. So now I'm an absolute convert to non-alcoholic yeah. Um drink so I still have a G&T and all that sort of stuff but lies in my opinion make the best and uh, I'm going to get on to the head the global uh, marketing manager who I know well and just see if I can get a little uh, a little word in. Amazing thank you so much thank you Joe. Um, I look forward to seeing you if I don't see you before or hopefully I'll see you before at Hair Festival and uh, we'll put the dates for Hair Festival in the show notes I know you guys have got a good run and run. So thank you so much. God bless. And we'll see you all next week. You've been listening to Straight Edge, the podcast. And we love that you've been listening to this episode. And we're always looking for future guests to join us on the podcast. So if you or anyone else, your friends or family have been through similar struggles with any form of addiction or recovery, we'd love to hear from you. Just drop us a message on our Instagram page, Straight Edge, the podcast. And we'll get right back in touch with you to have a chat. And talking of social media, if you've enjoyed this or any other of our episodes from season one or two, we kindly ask for you to please help us share the love by sharing our posts and reels with your own network of friends. And lastly, but most importantly, if you could please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, this will help us improve our podcast visibility and hopefully attract more listeners from around the world. But most of all, it will attract some more exciting guests that I'm sure you, our audience, would love to hear from. So I'll finish with a big thank you from all of us here, Amy, Lou and myself, Clive, at Straight Edge, the podcast. And please stay safe and God bless.